836, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We are continuing to monitor the, the traffic situation on the freeway, which has been a mess for a good portion of the morning. Once again, Highway K, I-94 in Racine County. The left lane, both northbound and southbound, is closed. Highway K in Racine County. Um, there was apparently a semi that jumped the median. So, I mean, the freeway has been closed for a portion of time. Now it's the left lane either way, which is closed. We will continue to keep you updated. Um, Debbie was saying that because lots of people have gone off the freeway and we're taking alternate routes and the, um, some of the frontage roads, those are also jammed up as well. So we are aware of it. We will continue to keep you updated. But if you're just getting in your car, you're wondering, hey, what, what's going on here? I-94 left lane, both northbound and southbound in Racine County at Highway K closed because of a semi that had jumped over the median. So we'll continue to keep you updated on that. Let me just start off before three big things. This is a heck of a story. And for everybody, I don't know if it is fair to give Donald Trump credit for this or whatever, but the breaking news this morning is that job creation, job creation numbers are huge. For February, for February of 2017, the estimates, the analysts estimated that they would create about 190,000 private sector jobs. The numbers are now in. And in February of 2017, the U.S. private sector created 298,000 jobs in February. That is the most jobs added in a particular, and these are private sector jobs. That's the most jobs added since April of 2014. So it, it certainly appears that at least right now, if you look at the economy as a measure of job creation, and job creation always tends to be what economists call a lagging indicator. It's one of it's one of the last things that you see when people are feeling good about the economy. Why? Because you know, what, what happens is, right, let's say you're, you run a company and you're kind of concerned about, am I going to be able to sell stuff? Am I going to be able, is it going to be a demand for my company, et cetera? So what you do typically is rather than creating new jobs, you, you try to make do with what you have. I'll sell off inventory. We'll run down the inventory until we cease, things like that. So job growth tends, like I say, in the private private sector to be a lagging indicator. It's one of the last things to really reflect ongoing economic conf, uh, confidence. And uh, these numbers are huge. I mean, just blowing away the estimates that analysts said. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it is, again, private sector employers responding to you know Donald Trump and his commitments. I, I don't know. A lot of people can debate that, but there is no question. If you look at job creation, which to me is one of the big indicators of you know, how successful the economy is at the present time, these February numbers are huge, just absolutely huge. 298,000 jobs created in February. Okay, we start off the program the same way every day with three big things, things that I think you need to know to talk about at the coffee cooler or at lunch or you know, just during the day with your coworkers or your friends or whatever. Sometimes these come from the world of politics. Sometimes they come from the world of business. Every once in a while, they come from the world of sports, and that's big thing number one we start with. Packers Nation 
How do you feel about Latroy Guyon? Latroy Guyon is, of course, the Packers nose tackle who, well, he has had a checkered history with the law, had a number of problems when he was with Minnesota. Packers signed him after he left Minnesota. 2015, he was suspended for the first three games when he's playing for the Packers um, based on violating the league's policy on substance abuse. Now, it's a little more complicated than that because what happened was Guyon, who had had previous run-ins with the law in the offseason, was busted in his hometown, found in possession of three-quarters of a pound of pot, $190,000 in cash, and a handgun. Got charged with felonies, all sorts of things. They ended up pleading it down to a misdemeanor. He paid like a $5,000 fine and walked away. Something that you will never, ever, ever convince me would, if he had just been your average your average guy in this town, caught with $190,000 in cash, three-quarters of a pound of marijuana, and a gun, there is no way the case would have been disposed of that way. But because in this country we have athletes' privilege, he got athletes' privilege, and the Packers took him back. Proving, I guess, to me that I, I understand that the Packers talk about how there is this cultural difference between them and some teams. But, all right, but the truth is they needed a defensive tackle, and so, you know, they were able to look the other way. So they bring him back. The announcement yesterday afternoon was he is now going to be suspended for the first four games of next season for violating the performance-enhancing drug policy of the NFL. So he's going to be out for four games. The Packers now have to make a decision. Do we move on or do we continue to ride it out with this guy? Now, one of the things that you saw last year is that his performance, he's getting older, his performance started to go downhill, started to decrease. He there's They've got last year they drafted a defensive tackle who plays the same position in the first round. And by the end of the season, the new guy was playing more than guy in. But they have to make a decision do they keep him? Do they cut him? Do they make a statement saying enough is enough and we're not going to tolerate people who continue to violate the rules? All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big thing number one, it comes from the world of sports. Is it time for the Packers to make a statement and say, we're not going to tolerate this anymore if we have these players that are continually in trouble whether it's violating league rules or violating the law, we're going to say enough is enough. We are not going to tolerate it. Is it time for the Packers to move on and drop this guy once and for all? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to take your calls in just a moment. You can also text on the text line. Again, as I mentioned, we've got a huge mess on the freeway. We'll get a WTMJ traffic update. Then we're back to talk about big thing number one. What do the Packers do given the latest problems with this one particular player? 844 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 848, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Um, our, our, our text line is exploding um, because we, we added this feature last week. It's the WTMJ Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, same number, 414-799-1620, and you can call, you can text. Um, the one thing I always try to remind people to do is when you text, just just put your name in there as well because then I can make sure I give you credit if you 
if we use your text on the air. Kathy Gresham says, get rid of him. There are other players out there who would love the job. Absolutely. Um, you know, Latroy Guyon, who under normal circumstances, if he wasn't a football player, would have probably been, in my opinion, in prison following his arrest in 2015 with a gun, three-quarters of a pound of pot, and $190,000 in cash. He essentially had his wrist slapped. Um, they cut a plea deal. He pays a $5,000 fine. He avoids jail time. And now the re- the revelation is he- he's out in a situation where, okay, you've now violated the league's substance abuse policy. See, one of the frustrating things, and I, I am a Packers fan through and through, but one of the things that frustrates me from time to time is the Packers talk about, hey, we, we have this culture. We're different than a lot of teams. Well, yes and, and no. Yes, there is a culture around Green Bay. But the truth is the handling of a situation like the Latroy guy in case demonstrates pretty clearly that if they think the guy has if they think he can play, they don't care whether he's a bad guy or not. And the truth of the matter is people who get arrested, people who get arrested with handguns and three quarters of a pound of pot and one hundred and ninety thousand dollars in cash. All right. Those those are people who have significant character issues and candidly i think the packers would have made a really positive statement if they had moved on a couple years ago but at this point in time isn't it finally time to say enough is enough and i think if latroy guyan is back with the packers next year it's going to say a lot about the team 414-799-1620 is our number big thing number two today is a day without women this this was announced a couple weeks ago. This is this is the day that as a follow-up to the Women's March on Washington, organizers are encouraging women of America, women of Wisconsin, women of Milwaukee, you are encouraged to go on an all-out strike. You are encouraged not to work, whether your job is paid or unpaid. You are being asked to avoid shopping in stores and online except for local small businesses and women-owned companies. So now I guess my question is, how can you shop at a woman-owned company today if it's a women's strike? Because that doesn't, doesn't that mean that the women owners are, are not going to be there? Um, and women are urged to wear the color red to represent revolutionary love and sacrifice. So today is the women's strike, a day without women. There are some schools across the country, believe it or not, where the schools are closing down because the public employees, the teachers, the teachers' aides, whatever, the females have decided that they are not going to show up. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big thing number two, a day without women. Ladies, in particular ladies, here is my question to you. How are you going to be spending today? Are you participating in this strike? Are you staying home? Are you not going to work? Are you not doing anything? Are you not shopping? Are you simply saying, I want to demonstrate what happens if women aren't here? Or is this one of the most foolish things that you have ever heard? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What are you doing on a day without women, will this general strike 
have any sort of impact at all. Now, I have to say, I walked around our building before the show started, and I, I, I saw I saw a lot of my female colleagues that, that they were here, but maybe that's not representative of what's going on in the world in general. Are you staying home in solidarity of a day without women? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 853. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. <laughs> Fifty-six. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Big thing number two today is a day without women, ladies. I'm curious how you are responding. Deb says this is my day off work, anyways. I am shopping. I'm helping a friend prepare food for a Jewish holiday this weekend. I am not wearing red. That's from Deb. Um, yeah. Let's see. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the number. Lisa in Milwaukee. Lisa, good morning. Lisa, for having me on. Hi, Lisa. Okay, it's a day without women. Are are, are you at work? I'm on my way. <laughs> I wore red shirt today. Okay, Lee, you off, but I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now are you, uh, did you wear the red? Did you wear the red shirt by accident, or did you wear it in support of this strike? I wore it by accident, Jeff, <laughs> and I didn't know about it until you said it on the radio. <laughs> all right, all right. So you understand, people are going to be looking at you, thinking, "Well, they're probably going to be thinking that looks like it's a great shirt." But but it, they're they're going to be thinking, "Oh, is Lisa making a statement or not?" Your your statement is, "Hey, this just happened to be clean, and I grabbed it, and I look good in it." Right? <laughs> right. And now I'm afraid because um, you know, back in November when I wore my red shirt, it was in support of Donald Trump, who I voted for, <laughs> and now the red shirt is all of a sudden taking on a different meaning. <laughs> It is well. You're 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 part of the protest, Lisa. Whether you knew it or not. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, you know the thing women need the most, Jeff, is a job. Well, that and I'm going to mine. That, that, so. thanks, that, exactly. I mean, thanks. For, how, how does how does deciding that you're going to stay home, um, how not show up at your at work? How does that necessarily advance the cause of women? Kim in Milwaukee. Kim, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Yes. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Um, Good morning. So I am also on my way to work because I work. You know, I don't. I don't think the uh, the idea is foolish, but you know, in practice, I don't think uh, it's practical because I, for me, I work in a profession that, uh, you know, we take care of the most vulnerable people in society, people with disabilities, right. and you know, in that field, there aren't a whole lot of men right. working in that field. So if we all stayed home. Uh, you know, you do important work and you need to show yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's right. you're, you're, you're a responsible professional though. Thanks for the call, Kim. That's, that, that's kind of the point. Let's see. Uh, on our text line, I'm embarrassed to be a woman, um, uh, because of this. I have worked very hard to get where I am and this protest diminishes my accomplishments. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Heather says, if I don't do my job today, Jeff, which is take care of my kids, I could have child neglect charges brought against me. Um, I have been at it since 5 a.m. this morning. Yeah. Jen in Waukesha. Jen, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jen. Um, I, I went to work today, and um, I just, I think I agree with that one text about how it's embarrassing. <clears throat> um, I just don't think... I think that in theory, if people were to sit and contemplate what a day without women would look like, would probably achieve more than disrupting a bunch of things and places shutting down or, you know, people not showing up to jobs. Do do you think a lot of women are going to stay home and ignore their jobs today? No. No. um... No. I mean, it's, it's what I think is just like day without Latinos. I know Latinos are important. 
Day Without Immigrants. I know immigrants are important. And I didn't, my life was not interrupted on those days. Like, it, it did not impact me in any way. Right. But I'm an intelligent person, so I can cognitively imagine what yeah. life would be like right, right. without them. <laughs> exactly. And, and you could probably contemplate the same thing on the flip side, Jen, a day without men or, or whatever, a day exactly. without fill in the blank. Um, it would be a mess. Hey, thanks for the call. When we come back after the news, I want to share with you a piece written by a woman about a day without women. It's 909, Jeff twenty WTMJ. One of our text line has just absolutely exploded for people, women wanting to talk about the day without women. And I, I want to just share a couple of these with you to give you an idea, because I, I think this is... This is not the idea that you're going to see represented on the nightly news or on some of the talking head shows or on local TV, but I think this is where the majority of women are. For example, Kellyanne Walkershaw says, I thought the feminist movement's purpose was so women could have equal rights and think for themselves. It seems like today if you don't agree with what the left thinks and you don't wear a you-know-what type of hat, you're anti-woman. I made my husband breakfast this morning, and I did the laundry, and now I'm at work and proud of that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Um, Amy in Brookfield writes, I would never let a group of strangers tell me what to do. I think the idea that women should strike seems to be something out of a superficial Hollywood movie where the women are standing with their arms crossed and have their backs face to their struggling husbands who can't go to work either because now they have to do what women would be doing, such as managing a toddler or a house or whatever. I think this is an idea that's disrespectful to women because they don't think we can think for ourselves and, um, even if we were upset with conditions, we're not going to turn our back on, you know, families. Uh, Heather writes, you think we could get Mother Nature to give it a rest for a day? Um, the wind's making a mess of things. Yeah, so that's that's it. Let's, let's have a day without wind. There was a piece um, on Fox News that I wanted to share with you. It's written by a woman. She's an author. Her name is Suzanne Venker. A day without women. Who are the women who won't be marching? Here's what she writes. Like millions of other American women, a day without women will be a day like any other. I will rise, exercise, and shower. I will happily see to the needs of my family and then head off to my office to write. Sometime in the afternoon, I'll meet my kids at home, talk to them about their day, and eventually begin cooking dinner. My family will eat together and then hang out and do homework and whatever else needs to be done since hockey has ended for the season. I would no more participate in a protest than I would stick needles in my eye. Why? Because I'm not a joiner. As author William Powers notes, when a crowd adopts a point of view en masse, all critical thinking stops. To which I would say, by the way, amen. If you remember one thing for the show, that's it. When a crowd adopts a point of view en masse, all critical thinking stops. She continues. But don't you understand the plight of a women of American women, you ask? Actually, no. I don't think women have a plight. I think individual women and individual men have their own respective plights. But do I think American women as a whole are oppressed? Of course not. When it comes to women in America, progress is the operative word. According to the free online dictionary, progress means steady improvement as of a society or civilization. But it's a relative term. How to improve something is entirely subjective. Yet when we talk about women in America, progress is never defined, debated, or qualified. The topic is misleading right out of the gate. She continues. That's because women on the left have the power, and they have a specific message to sell. They want people to believe that women in America get the short end of the stick. 
Women have been oppressed for centuries, they say, and not enough progress has been made. Society still hasn't leveled the playing field. This philosophy is firmly embedded in our culture. Turn on the television, flip through a magazine, or search America's airwaves, and you'll be deluged deluged with stories about women who wonder how their needs can best be met, how they can balance their lives better, or how they can deal with a myriad of problems and dangers they face. Women's grievances dominate the conversation. She continues, Americans who don't share the negative view of women represent the silent majority. They know our country isn't perfect, but they know something else, too. They know American women are the most fortunate human beings on the planet. If that sounds wrong to the naked ear, it's because Americans have been conditioned to believe otherwise. Just last year, in an ironic twist of fate, Hillary Clinton said, quote, I do think if you tell people something long enough with great passion, they get perhaps inclined to believe it, end quote. Indeed, they do. And that's exactly what feminists like Clinton have done. They've defined progress for us by calling it liberation from men, from children, from society's constructs, from just about everything that makes women feel morally obligated to someone or something other than themselves. But most women don't agree with that definition of progress. Feminists do. They've spent decades trying to convince women that America needs to rearrange itself so women can be unshackled, free, and presumably happy. But it didn't work. According to a 2007 report from the National Bureau of Economic Research, as women have gained more freedom, more education, and more power, they have become less happy. The authors of this report suggest that the salience of the women's movement fueled elation in the 1970s that has dissipated in the ensuing years. That's because, she writes, most women don't want what feminists want. So rather than participate in a day without women, this silent majority will continue forth with their lives and watch the spectacle from the sidelines and marvel at the irony of women who want to be heard while wearing a you-know-what hat. That is uh, Suzanne Vanker, an author, writing. And I think that that, that whole idea of the, the silent majority, again, that sort of represents what, what's out there. You're not going to hear that point of view expressed Again, on the local news channels tonight that will be covering a day without women or in the newspapers that will write about how some schools had to shut down because female teachers decided that they were going to stay home to make their various statement. But I do think that that sort of reflective of where the majority of you are on this issue. Big thing number three, the controversy involving guns and public transportation continues in Madison we will review in just a minute. 915, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Nine nineteen, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Yes, Wisconsin winters take a toll on talk show hosts' throats when they're trying to get over colds as well. Um just, again, our text line just exploding on this uh, this day without women thing. Uh, the piece I just read, Lori says, "Amen, Suzanne." Yeah, exactly. I mean, how how demeaning, how demeaning to women. Okay, big thing number three. We mentioned this when the court case came out yesterday. Um, the, the controversy is expanding. The mayor of Madison is calling on the state to change the law. Here's here's the way the law works. When we passed concealed carry a number of years ago the legislature said that local communities can't pass more restrictive rules on the right to carry firearms than the state law because they knew 
you have got people like Tom Barrett or Paul Soglin out in, in Madison, and you knew that they would essentially gut the concealed carry law if they got a chance. So the law says municipalities, local governments can't be more restrictive than state law. You could theoretically be less restrictive, but you can't be more. Now, the way the concealed carry law works is that private entities have the right to control the ability of people to bring guns onto their property. So in our place of employment, for example, here in the building, you're not allowed to carry guns into the building. Because it's a private employer, they have the right to do that. A a government entity, though, cannot pass more restrictive things. So Milwaukee County couldn't pass a restriction saying, a state law lets you carry a gun in a particular thing. We're not going to let you do that in Milwaukee County. The issue in Madison became whether or not the bus company, public transportation, was that a private employer or was it closer to a a government entity? Because the city of Madison on the buses said you can't carry guns on the buses. And it got challenged by a concealed carry rights group. And Madison said, well, um, the, the bus company is more like a private business than a government, and so it should be exempt from this law. The state Supreme Court, in a decision, it's a 50-page decision by Justice Dan Kelly. I I read it last night, and actually, I think it's right. I mean, it's it's a matter of law. This isn't a Second Amendment issue. It's just an interpretation. Is the public transportation system, is that closer to, uh, again, a private, independent business, or is it closer to a government entity? And they decided it's closer to a government entity. Now the mayor of Madison is saying, oh, this is an outrage. We should have the right to say that people cannot carry firearms. People with concealed carry permits cannot carry firearms on public transportation. And he is, number one, considering appealing this case to the U.S. Supreme Court. Good luck with that. Number two, I'm calling on the legislature to change the law to essentially, again, allow, whether it's Milwaukee County Transit or Madison Transit or whatever, to say, no, no guns on buses if you're a concealed carry permit holder. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we should we change the law? Should we change the law to allow municipalities like Madison or Milwaukee, if they chose or whatever, on public transportation to prohibit people who are otherwise lawfully allowed to carry firearms from carrying firearms? What do you think? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 923, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 926, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Ted in Appleton. Ted, good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Uh, my biggest question, so does this also affect the town and village and city halls that have the signs up that say no firearms allowed on, in premise? Well, Because that's going to supersede the state then. Well, except that you, you – I mean, thanks. You, you have to look at the state law, and I, I, don't, I don't want to get too much into the, the weeds with the state law. The, generally speaking in Wisconsin, as a general rule, if you are licensed to carry a concealed weapon, you can carry a firearm into buildings owned, or I'm looking at the law now, issued by or, or leased by the state. But there's exceptions. You, you can't do it in a, by law in any county, state, or federal courthouse. You can't do it in a municipal courtroom and a whole list of other different types of place. Police stations, you can't as well. So it's it it depends on what type of building it, it is. So um, don't do it unless you, you kind of check that out. 
Let's talk to Bob in Arizona. Bob, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this fine morning? I am well, thank you. Where in Arizona are you calling from? I'm calling from the mountains in Payson, Arizona. I know know the area very well. Well, welcome to the program. What do you think about all this? Well, I'll tell you, I'm originally a Wisconsin boy all my life and moved here to Arizona about 14 years ago and been here with the posse. And so I outward carry, but we also have the right to carry concealed carry law. Now, one of the things that has transpired here in Arizona is that whenever you went into a grocery store, you had to check your weapon at the counter, right? service counter. Now, the minute they put up a sign that excludes their right for the individual to carry on their premises, they assume the protection of that individual. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so your point is essentially on the these. And thanks to Cobot, your point is essentially on these buses. If you're going to tell people that you you can't carry a concealed firearm in the bus, the bad guys they're not going to pay attention to a sign or rule anyhow. If something happens on that bus, um, you know who's going to end up being responsible for what happens? Um, that's the point that Eric makes in one of our texts. He says, "Here are my thoughts. The bad guys are still going to carry the guns on the bus, whether there's a law against them or not. Why can't a legal by a law-abiding citizen?" With a permit, carry a gun. This just opens up the city of Madison and other places to lawsuits. To your point, Bob, should something happen on a bus and a concealed permit holder wasn't allowed to carry in a concealed fashion? See, I agree with this, this whole basic point. This idea that because law-abiding citizens are allowed to carry firearms, that this notion that it's suddenly going to be the Wild West is absolutely ridiculous. You know, we've had the Wisconsin's concealed carry law since, what, 2011? And, and yes, I, I acknowledge that if you probably look hard enough, you can find a handful of instances where a concealed carry permit holder behaved in an irresponsible fashion. But if you look at all the gun crime that is going on in the state of Wisconsin, it, it is not in any statistically significant way being committed by concealed carry permit holders. The truth of the matter is the Madison buses are not more dangerous because a handful of people with concealed carry licenses decide that they might want to bring a firearm onto the bus. And it would seem to me, given all the problems you have out in Madison, if the lefty mayor of Madison wants to worry about something, this particular issue should be about number 503 on his top 10 list. It's 935, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We will continue to keep you updated, of course, on the the mess on the roadways. Um, uh, the I-94 around Highway K in Racine County has been just a mess all morning, and I know they're working on it, but you still have lanes that are closed, so we'll continue to keep you updated on that. Across the country, as we were just talking about, today is a day without women. Is this a legitimate movement, or is it just something for the television cameras? The guys on Scafidi and Billstat give their take this afternoon. Tune in at one thirty. Five. All right. Uh, yesterday, for the, the third time, the Jewish Community Center in Whitefish Bay, which is a wonderful facility. That used to be part of the old uh, university school. I, back in the day, I was a debate coach. I, I worked when I was in law school. I worked part time at university school when it was located where the Jewish Community Center is, is now in Whitefish Bay as a, as a debate coach. It's a wonderful facility. They have a number of activity centers. I, I know that there's a number of people who, for example, belong to their athletic facilities. It, it's just, it's a wonderful facility. It is a great, great community asset. And 
for the third time in just a couple weeks. It was evacuated yesterday, this time because there was an, an email that was was sent in, and again, um, again, threatening, I think it might have been a bomb scare or something, but regardless, it had to be evacuated. And it's been... It's been a, a source of, of irritation and aggravation. The, the inconvenience that this causes to people, the upset and the um, unrest that this causes, and at least so far, uh, authorities haven't been able to figure out who is doing it. It is not only the Jewish Community Center in Whitefish Bay that's been targeted. You've had a, a number of similar types of incidents, threats to various Jewish facilities across the country that have been going on for at least at least several months. Over the last couple of years, as a matter of fact, there is a rise in reports of, of anti-Semitic activity. Now, last week, the FBI arrested a guy in St. Louis in connection with some of the, the bomb threats, not the ones made in Whitefish Bay, at least they haven't linked him to these yet. The guy's name is Juan Thompson. He's accused of making at least eight threats to Jewish facilities in New York and other areas of the country. Um, this guy just whacked out, who um, apparently was having issues with his estranged girlfriend, and so he was calling in bomb threats to various Jewish facilities across the country and then sending emails saying, hey, I, I have I have information about who's doing this, and he was like giving her name. It was just very very bizarre. It, it doesn't you don't exactly know what the guy's motivation was, other than in this particular case he was just angry at his girlfriend for dumping him. Which seems like, based on all this evidence, that if you were going to criticize the girlfriend, it would only be for getting together with the guy in the first place. So th- this was I mean this was I don't know that it was why he was targeting Jewish facilities but this did not appear to be any sort of legitimate threat in the sense of you know he was really going to you know bomb places it was just he was mad at his girlfriend which doesn't diminish the significance and it doesn't mean that authorities can't treat this seriously and shouldn't treat it seriously well donald trump was criticized for about a week or so by for not specifically singling out and and calling for more calm when it came to you know these ongoing problems. So a week ago, when he when he gave his joint address to Congress, he started out by saying, "This was in the very beginning of the speech." Recent threats targeting Jewish community centers and vandalism of Jewish center cemeteries, as well as last week's shooting in Kansas City, remind us that while we may be a nation divided on policies. We are a country that stands united and condemning hate and evil for all in all its forms. So, I mean, he made a specific mention of that. That was not enough to satisfy a number of his critics. Oh, he's not doing enough. This is, you know, we wanted him to talk about this. Now he's talking about it, but it's just, um, you know, lip service. There are, there are some people who are suggesting that the increase in anti-Semitic activity, which, by the way, has been going on for a, a few years now, but at least over the last couple months, you are getting some high-profile situations um, that this this can be laid at the feet of Donald Trump and the Trump campaign. For example, the, the journal Sentinel says in their editorial, Trump has not done enough, especially considering that his own vitriolic campaign for president helped unleash this contemptible behavior. The president should order the attorney general to begin a civil rights investigation and order all of the government uh, Departments to cooperate. 
There has long been an ugly strain of hate buried deep within the American body politic. This is the editorial board. Usually dormant. That strain is now active and the government must do all it can to fight it. This is not the America we want it to be. All right. I want to I want to talk about the basic premise, not do we need to identify people who are doing this type of stuff, catch them, prosecute them, put them in prison. The answer to that is yes. I think everybody would agree. What I want to discuss is to the extent that there has been and the the number of anti-Semitic activities, like I say, has been increasing over the last several years, but to the extent it has increased over the last couple of months, or it's getting more attention over the last couple of months. Is it fair to blame this on President Trump? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 945, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Look, I understand that it is fashionable. Nowadays, to blame all the bad stuff going on in the world, in this case now, it's it's fashionable to blame it on on President Trump. And I will be the first to tell you that, I mean, I have have more than a little bit of reservation about some of the things that went on during the course of the campaign and some of the statements that were made and some of the claims that were made. So I, I get all that, but at the same time, I think... We go too far when we try to say, all right, you, you now have these you know, reported instances of anti-Semitic activity that are obviously being engaged in by some very, very disturbed individuals. And this effort to try to say, well, okay, this, this is the new America un- under Donald Trump. No, no, I, I don't. I don't think America under Donald Trump is any different than America under Barack Obama or America under George Bush or America under Bill Clinton or America under Ronald Reagan. I I, I don't. I mean, America is America. What you have is that you have, unfortunately, small numbers of people who are either members of hate groups or are disturbed. For example, and like I say, in the case of the guy from St. Louis who got arrested, I don't know why. He was targeting Jewish facilities in New York um, other than – I don't think it was necessarily directed at the Jewish facilities. He was trying to implicate his girlfriend in this, and it it, it happened to be the, the Jewish facilities. I, I don't know that there was necessarily a direct link, but, but here you had some very dangerously disturbed, troubled person who was engaging in reprehensible behavior. Are there certain, like, low-life, swamp-dwelling people – who at various times will decide to crawl out into the sunlight and end up behaving in an antisocial criminal fashion. Yeah, there are. There's no doubt about it. And and that's why I think people of goodwill, whether these are threats directed at mosques or whether they're threats directed at Catholic churches or whether they're threats directed at synagogues or Jewish community centers or whatever, I mean, people of goodwill – need to stand up and say, okay, there is this small, ugly segment of America that from time to time decides that they're going to act out in this fashion. But but in fairness, to say that those groups are emboldened because of Barack Obama or because of Donald Trump or, or whatever, I think is, is stretching it too far. It is fair to blame Donald Trump for a lot of things. To blame the Trump administration because some crazy guy in St. Louis decides in an effort to try to, uh, again, 
implicate his girlfriend or whatever, he starts making these bomb threats. And, and I, I understand he's not the only guy responsible for this. Unfortunately, there are apparently other people that are there. Is there real anti-Semitism in the world? Of course, just like there's real racism in the world. But th- th- this idea that, all right, you have somebody who calls in a bomb threat to an African-American church. Oh, that, that's got it. Donald Trump has enabled this. Donald Trump has encouraged this. The fact that you've got some loons who call in, criminal loons, who, you know, who would call in a bomb threat again to a Jewish community center. To, to, to try to blame this on Donald Trump, I think, is really, really a bridge too far. Which is not to say that I, I think the Justice Department, the FBI, you know, needs to determine, is there some organized hate group that is operating and violating the law in this fashion? Or are these just, you know, these these calls, are they being made by a handful of troubled losers, you know, secreted in their mother's basements in different parts of, across the country? I, I mean, I do think it is very fair and legitimate to say to, you know, the Justice Department, we want to make this a priority. We want to have an emphasis on this. Let's figure out, you know, who is doing it. Is it part of a larger group or is it, again, just a couple like lone wolves and and people who then go engage in the copycat behavior because they see the attention that one of these people has gotten and they decide that they want that similar attention. I don't know the answer to any of that, but I, but I do know that when we try to say, okay, this has got to be Donald Trump's fault because he created this atmosphere of hate. No, there's just troubled people out there who act out from time to time and there's a lot of stuff you can blame Donald Trump for, but, you know, bomb threats or calls made in by crazy people behaving in a criminal fashion, in fairness, I don't think that that's baggage that you can saddle the Trump administration with. Just saying. It's 950. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 953, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, coming up in about 15 minutes. The police chief in Beloit, his name is David Zabalski, will be asking a question as part of our Dealer's Choice segment. Has he lost his mind? Has the Beloit police chief lost his mind? Stick around, that's coming up in about 15 minutes. By the way, you can check out the podcast of this program, and I know lots of people do. Just go to WTMJ.com. We've got a WTMJ mobile app. You can click on that, download the podcast, check out a lot of stuff. Um, in addition, there's some podcasts up there that I encourage you to check out, voices that you don't hear on a regular basis on the radio, some real interesting stuff, and I know we've got more coming. All right. I mentioned this yesterday. We marked the tape, and it now, I, I, I think we, we were on to something here. Kazir Khan. He's the, the gold star father who showed up. You remember he, his son was, um, killed in 2004 in Iraq. He's the guy that showed up, um, at the Democratic National Convention and who, who launched, went into a tirade against, you know, Donald Trump. Uh, he's the guy that, you know, pulled out the, I carry the Constitution here, and he was responding to Trump's claims and some of the conversation during the campaign about whether we should start, stop, consider banning Muslims from coming into the country or deporting people who were Muslim, that, that type of stuff. I mean, and, you know, Donald Trump, instead of just letting it go, decided he had to respond, and that, that created this whole firestorm about this. And I, I, I think Trump should have just let it go. I mean, I made that argument at the time. But but anyhow, he is back. This Kazir Khan is back in the news. 
And it appears that he has been caught in, in what is a major lie. He was, he's an American citizen. And he and his wife came to this country from Pakistan. And I believe he became a naturalized citizen in, I want to say, 1980. So he, he's not here on a visa. He's not here on a green card. He's a naturalized citizen. Well, what, what happened was he was supposed to give a speech in Canada. I believe it was, I believe it was, was yesterday. He was supposed to give a, a speech in, in Canada at a conference where, again, they were going to be talking about how awful Donald Trump is and that type of stuff. The organizer of the event um, said that I, I've been told that we have to cancel this because Mr. Khan is saying that he has been told that his travel privileges are being reviewed by U.S. authorities and that he's concerned that if he leaves the country, he won't be able to come back in. So he, he's he's canceling this. And then, of course, um, you know, they they add they add a statement supposedly attributed to Mr. Khan saying the turn of events is not just of deep concern to me, but to all my fellow Americans who cherish our freedom to travel abroad. I have been not been given any reason as to why I'm grateful for your support and look forward to visiting Toronto in the near future. Well, I have to tell when I saw that story originally, I, I called BS on it because he, he's he's a naturalized citizen. Right. I think it is. It was interesting in the statement that the guy puts out. He doesn't say who told him his travel privileges were being reviewed. It, there's no identification uh, of this at all. And the sense I mean, I'm getting is that he just completely and totally made this up. I mean, he is a U.S. citizen. He's a naturalized U.S. citizen. But it doesn't matter if you've got somebody from the government who is legitimately going to somebody who is a U.S. citizen and telling them, if you go overseas, you will not or you might not be allowed to come back in. That's a big story. I mean, that is a big story. But just like I was critical of President Trump yesterday for saying, hey, I've been wiretapped by the former president without any evidence at all, um, this appears to be a claim that Kazir Khan made without any evidence at all. He doesn't say which U.S. agency contacted him. So lots of people are going, well, wait, you know, how how could the government be considering detain, telling a U.S. citizen they can't travel abroad? What's more, um, U.S. citizens don't need visas to enter Canada or even any electronic travel or authorizations required of other visitors. Um, the rule is the U.S. cannot prevent passport-holding citizens from traveling if they've not been charged with a crime. So it, it, absent any sort of detail, it appears – Again, that this gold star father just kind of made this up. Now, I don't know if he didn't want to go to Toronto. I don't know if he wanted to participate in the thing. But to at least, just like I was critical yesterday of Donald Trump for saying, hey, all right, I I think I've been wiretapped without any evidence, to claim that you are being told as a U.S. citizen that you can't leave the country or if you leave the country, you might not be allowed to come back in. If that is, in fact, the case, that is one heck of a story. That is an explosive allegation contrary to all sorts of laws. But just like I don't think Donald Trump should be claiming that he was wiretapped by President Obama without being willing to stand up and support it, I similarly don't think that private citizens 
should be able to imply that, hey, you've got the government. Now they're cracking down on me. They're telling me if I leave, I, I might not be able to come back in without being, again, asked by somebody, you know, the, the various W's, the when, where, why, who. Who was it that said this to you? Give us the details. Give us the basis of it. Otherwise, it appears like this is one of these baseless allegations coming out as well. And again, the Washington Post has been following up on this, and they're now starting to say, well, we've got some issues with this claim, the same issues that I'm just raising, that's saying, all right, if you're going to make this claim, who is doing it? Um, give us details. And so far, no details are forthcoming. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, what the you-know-what is going on with the Beloit police chief? Stick around, 959, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is Jeff Wecker. Glad to have you with us. This is the segment of the program we do at this time every day. I call it Dealer's Choice. It's to me one of the, maybe it's not the most significant topic of the day, but perhaps one of the most talkable ones. And uh, that certainly qualifies today. All right. Follow me with this. The city of Beloit has an ordinance and the ordinance, it relates to the discharge of firearms. And it doesn't matter whether you're shooting Bullets or blanks. The ordinance says no person shall fire or discharge any firearm or air gun within the city of Beloit except a public, uh, except a police officer in the lawful discharge of his duty. This subsection does not apply to target practice at a regular club or any shooting gallery conducted within the permission of the police department. So in essence, Unless you're like at a target range or something, you cannot discharge a, a firearm, and it doesn't distinguish between blanks and between actual bullets. There is a state statute which says that firearms may discharge blanks during funeral ceremonies um, at cemeteries with the permission of the superintendent of cemeteries. So you, you can, for example, if you have a veteran, and there is an honor guard. And there's actual, the, the body is being buried at the cemetery. And you have the honor guard. As long as the person that runs the cemetery approves, you can have the honor guard that shoots the blanks off. Okay, so you might say, where are we going with, with this story, Jeff? Well, all right, here, here's the deal. More and more people um, do not have, are, are not buried at city cemeteries anymore more and more people for example they're 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 cremated um there's there's not perhaps an official burial ceremony or whatever but what ends up happening is the funeral service is held churches it's held at i i don't know funeral homes you know very various locations so a lot of times there's not going to be a burial per se and imagine the situation where there is is a cremation so what's been happening is, let's say you've got the, the veteran, and it's the funeral service, and it's a cremation, and the service is at a church, for example. Well, what's been happening is the honor guard will show up, and they will have the 21-gun salute. It's blanks, and, and they'll do it at the church property. I mean, they'll do it in connection with the funeral service. And this has apparently been how they have been doing it in Beloit for a long time. It has now become a controversy. Now, you might say, why, why is this a controversy? It's because the chief of police 
has now started telling these honor guards that there are there are some places that he is not there are some churches and some locations that he is not going to allow them to again do the 21 gun salute for example apparently on on February 20th um veterans groups show up they want to do the traditional salute ahead of a veterans funeral at Emmanuel Baptist Church okay they have they have apparently been you know doing this thing these salutes going back to 1968 and they never recall a time when the they were asked to stand down the police said no we are not going to allow you to do this 21 gun salute at at the church and if you're going to do this we're going to ask that you move it to some other location and the groups are saying, well, well, why? We've been doing this for, for decades. You know, what's what's the problem? And why are we starting to do it now? And the, the response of some of the officials is, well, you know, we're what we're concerned about is that um, this is going to create public safety issues. We are concerned that if you're at the funeral home or you're at the church and all of a sudden – People hear the 21-gun salute, they might freak out and think that there is, I don't know, an active shooting situation or something going on. And so that's why we don't want you doing it at these churches. We want to regulate where you do it. And a number of the veterans groups are saying, this is the craziest you-know-what thing that we have ever heard. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I've tried to present this in as fair and balanced a way as possible. The, the ordinance does, in fact, say that you need permission to fire blanks anywhere other than a cemetery at one of these funeral services. The groups have apparently been doing this forever at churches, at funeral homes, at things like that, and it has now become a controversy in Beloit to the point that the police are now saying, well, we don't want you doing it at some of these places because they're too close to public roadways, and we think that people might not know what is going on, I guess. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. We live in this this real world here, and I, I understand that when people, I guess, hear gunfire, maybe they can, in fact, you know, freak out. But have we really gotten to this point where we need to start telling honor guards that you you can't show up at a funeral home or you can't show up at a church and do one of these 21 gun salutes i mean is this really where police should be putting their emphasis and should the police be saying no you can't do it here we need you to do it somewhere else or should we just recognize that you know this is not that big a problem. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And for these groups that have been doing this for decades, why is this now suddenly an issue? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the police chief in Beloit cracking down on 21-gun salutes. Where do you stand? We discuss next. It's 1016. If you're on the line, please hold on. Ten nineteen, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, this is the controversy in, in Beloit. Beloit has this ordinance that says you can't shoot guns off, you can't discharge firearms within the city. Okay? Everybody has no problem with that. There's a state statute that says 
You can, however, fire blanks as part of funeral salutes, like the 21-gun salute, which, of course, it's typically not 21 guns. Normally, you've got, like, again, um, like seven people maybe who shoot three times or, or whatever. But okay, but there's an exception at cemeteries for people who fire blanks. So why is this controversial? Well, because more and more people aren't buried at cemeteries. And your, your cremation is increasingly popular. And so the way... The way a lot of veterans groups do this, these honor guards, is that they show up at the church or the funeral home or wherever the ceremony is going to be. And as part of as part of the ceremony, they have the 21-gun the salute outside in the area. The Beloit police chief has now started cracking down on this, denying, in some cases, groups permission to fire these blanks outside of churches saying, well, our concern is that somebody might hear the 21-gun salute and become freaked out. So we don't want you to do it here because this church is particularly too close to the road or or whatever because people apparently can't distinguish between they're going to hear gunfire and they're just going to freak out. And so, no, we're not going to let you do it here. No, we're not going to let you do it here. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, um, Steve from Racine says, what is happening to this world? The 21 gun salute is now considered dangerous. This is ridiculous. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Um, yes. 414-799-1620. That's the Economic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, no, I mean, I don't know. If you're a member of a veterans group who, who does this, the, the, the idea that we're going to now start telling you that you cannot do this in certain areas because you, you might have somebody who's driving by on, on the street or who's in the vicinity of the church and might hear this salute and not understand what it is, to me is nothing short of, of ridiculous. And I got to believe that this would fit into the category of what I would describe as being a problem desperately looking for a, a solution. I mean, seriously, is anybody hearing, is anybody who hears a, a 21-gun salute or the, the service salute or whatever this is going to be, no matter how many shots it might be, are you really going to think, oh, there's a massive invasion? I mean, come on. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mike in Waukesha. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Hi there. Hi, Mike. This, this is us dancing to the tune of the people around the world who hate us. I think, why should we give up our ceremonies because of uh, our our people's fear of terrorism? Well, or or almost unreasoning fear. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, I I don't, you know, Mike, I play golf in in an area where um, during hunting season, you know, I'm playing golf in this kind of rural area, and, and you can hear... You know, you can hear gunfire occasionally. It's people that are hunting. I, I'm not cowering under the golf cart. I recognize, oh, that, that's hunters that are out there. If I'm driving sure. by a church and I look over and I see that there's a number of people in military uniforms and there's a church service and that there's a, you know, a 21-gun volley going on, I'm not going to think that Beloit is being invaded. Well, besides, who would invade Beloit? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the call. <laughs> oh, 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 that. That was Mike, who would invade Beloit. That was not Jeff. Don't send me the emails, 414-799-1620. Well, let's talk to Scott in Hartford. Scott, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. 
Hey, good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. This is something that's very near and dear to me. First of all, just to clarify, it's not a 21-gun salute. It's a three-round volley. Three-round volley, okay. Three-round volley. 21 volley. Now, the thing I'm looking at says it's a 21-volley salute by the Honor Guard. Is that wrong? Actually, well, it is. What it is is it's, it's hopefully you have enough seven members that fire three shots. Okay, got it. Okay. Um, if you actually, there is a 21-gun salute, but there's actually 21 reports of a weapon. Okay, yeah, because uh, the thing I'm seeing, it's, it describes it as a 21-volley salute by the Honor yeah. Guard, but that would be that would be maybe seven guys that each fire three times if they're going to do that? That's correct. Okay, got That's it. That's correct. All right. Okay. So it's three rounds, and typically what will happen is if there's an area that um, we work with or if we know, we'll try to let law enforcement in the area know that we're going to be doing a funeral, and you know, that there's going to be weapons discharging. But it's not 21 rounds that go off. It's only three volleys. Right. Do you think that there's any basis for, in this case, the police chief said, well, you're too close You're, you're too close to the road, this particular church where they're doing this at. It's too close to the road. People are going to mistake this for Lord knows what. Does that make any sense to you? No, it doesn't. It's absolutely ludicrous. And people, you would think that most of the people in the communities actually come out and want to see it and watch us do the military honors. It's one that that today is, and it's been a long week. That is really the stupidest thing I've heard all week. That's saying something. <laughs> well, no, it, 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 I mean, it gets, I'm glad you called because that was kind of my reaction to this. I mean, I'm thinking, how, how could this be an issue that the police chief has now decided that he's going to start denying permission to honor guards at certain funeral homes and certain churches? To, to fire the, the volleys that we're talking about here, presumably because people in Beloit are too stupid to realize that this is a church service, as that this is a funeral service, as opposed to an invasion or something like that. It makes no sense to me. And I've never had anybody ever complain, not once. And I've done over 1,700 funerals. Never once have I heard anybody really? complain. Absolutely. Really? Okay. And my guess is... You've done them at cemeteries, but you've also done them at churches and funeral homes yes. and other places. Yeah, I mean, yes. right. I mean, I, I, thanks for the call. I appreciate. I mean, I'm trying to picture. I'm picturing a lot of churches in in our area that are you know close to major roadways. Um, I know. I'm thinking of. I, I was at a funeral a while back of um, uh, a colleague. Um, and a big funeral home right out on, on Capitol Drive in Waukesha. I mean, it, they didn't do they didn't do the volleys there, but I'm thinking, okay, well. Yes, if they had done it, there's shopping centers around, there's car dealerships. I mean, people would have been able to hear it. But in general, I mean, can't we trust people to be able to distinguish this? Is this really something where you're now going to have the police chief, you know, denying position, you know, denying permission? Let's talk to Dave and Grafton. Dave, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, yeah, Dave. I'm with you. I, I think this is a solution looking for a problem. I'd like to see the police chief produce the records um, that, this has been going on for decades at uh, all of these various locations. Um, police departments have statistics on their 911 calls. Show us the money. Show yeah. the calls that you're receiving. And, uh, and on another point, uh, my dad was a Korean uh, War veteran, and he passed away several years ago. And uh, a VFW post was um, very honorable, and they conducted this right. for my father. And uh, it was great to see. Um, my uh, nieces and nephews and my kids, the younger kids, my father's grandkids, were very impressed by the honor that they showed. And it was conducted in a parking lot of a funeral home. And I talked to the funeral home director, and I said, do you have any 
inquiries from the neighbors, they said, absolutely not. They're yeah. honored to have this happen in their backyard. Well, yeah, and, and I think, you know, and I think, Dave, one of the points that, for example, that the veterans, the honor guards in Beloit were saying is we have been doing this for years in, in places like this. Okay, this is one of the, this, it's a church. We, this, it isn't like it's something we just started doing. We, we do it at churches. We do it in parking lots of funeral homes. Like I guess we don't, people aren't just buried in cemeteries now. They're yeah. cremated or whatever. I'm sure if you talk to the police officers, the guys on the streets themselves, there's a whole lot of eye rolling going on right about now. Uh, yes. Uh, and as, as well, there should be. Um, thanks for the call. Let's talk to uh, Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. What I have to say is I'm a member of an American Legion post. I'm also a retired police officer. And the ceremony that involves rifle volleys is always, let me repeat that, always followed by the playing of taps. Right. So if this person or persons that think there's a war going on at a church or at a funeral home or at a cemetery all they have to do is listen <laughs> right. and they'll hear the sound of taps being played right after the rifle volleys uh ex- thanks to coach and look and look and i have no problem if, if if i have no problem with notifying the police chief hey we're, we're going to do this all right so if somebody does freak out and calls 911 and there's shots fired in the air of the funeral home, you can say, no, it's a funeral service. Although I can't believe that there's really too many people that are doing this. What I have a problem is you have the police saying, no, we're not going to let you. 1029, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1037, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Levering and Lane Grindle take over the airwaves tomorrow. The Brewers take on the San Diego Padres in Cactus League action. That would be spring training baseball. Our Brewers game day coverage starts at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Sponsored by your local Chevy dealers. Opening day, Monday, April 3rd. Um, looking forward to that. Matter of fact, we have our big opening day planning meeting on uh, Friday. Just, uh, I've been part of the WTMJ coverage on opening day well, actually, since I started a long time ago, but uh, very much looking forward to it. Every once in a while, there's a story that comes along that I just don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. And this is this is the story that falls into that category today. Um, I'm going to share with you the way the Journal Sentinel reports it. I, I read the criminal complaint, but the headline is fifth grade teacher charged with sexual assault of 11-year-old Milwaukee student, a fifth-grade teacher at a Milwaukee school, and um, she is a teacher at a private school as part of the Parental Choice Program, a fifth-grade teacher at a Milwaukee school has been charged with sexually assaulting her 11-year-old student last month. Part of an ongoing relationship, she told police, was intended to make the chronically depressed boy Feel happy. Catherine Gonzalez, 24, faces a single count of first-degree sexual assault of a child under 13. According to the complaint, the victim, this would be the 11-year-old, told police that he and Gonzalez were communicating over Snapchat on February 25th. Okay, lesson here, moms and dads, you know, this is, you want to, social media you know, your 11-year-old, you might just want to wonder what's going on out there. Anyways, the victim, the 11-year-old, told police he and Gonzalez were communicating over Snapchat on February 25th, a Saturday. She picked him up in her car, and they kissed. 
and she had the boy touch her genital area over her clothes. After they got to her Bayview apartment, he's 11 years old. She goes, picks him up. They engage in what sounds to me like heavy petting. They go back to her apartment. They watch a movie, the movie Deadpool. Hmm, that's, by the way, R. My 10-year-old nephew is not allowed to see Deadpool. He's very upset that we won't let him see Deadpool, but he can't. And she rubbed her hand over the boy's groin and had him touch her breasts over her clothing, the boy told police. They also kissed. She's 24. He's 11. They're necking at his her apartment. In a police interview, Gonzalez admitted to the relationship. All right. Okay. That's I, I understand. I'm not faulting anybody, but... She's 24, he's 11. I don't know that I necessarily use the word relationship, but I, I, I get it. I'm not faulting him. And a- admitted to the relationship and to the acts. Asked why she might have done this, which, which to me would be, okay, one of the questions. She told a detective she was nervous about an anticipated marriage proposal from her boyfriend and having second thoughts about their relationship. Okay, she's dating a guy. She thinks he might ask her to marry him. She's having second thoughts about once whether she wants to get married. So she, she gets involved with an 11-year-old? All right, I, I, I don't mean to make fun. This is a very serious thing. But, okay, note to the guy, maybe you want to rethink your choices as to where that relationship is going. I'm just saying. All right, the complaint includes some of the messages that she sent to the boy on Snapchat and Instagram. One read, do you think I'm gross? And I'd cause, um, I think it means, I don't know, IDK, cause I'm in love with a kid. I hate that I can't tell anyone either. (laughs) Jeez. She told a detective that she was not actually in love with the boy, but that she'd do anything to make him happy short of actually having sex. I feel like if I were going to have sex with him, I would have just done it already, she told the detective. What keeps running through my head in this story is, again, I don't don't have any particular insight to offer, obvious, other than, number one, this is a really screwed up woman, number one. Number two, I I just, when I'm reading the story, I am picturing my nephew who turned 10 last week. I mean, um, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I... I don't. I don't care if it's niece or nephew. I don't care if it's boy or girl. If I found out that you had some twenty-four-year-old woman sniffing around my ten or eleven-year-old nephew, I mean that—that's one where you—you know—you you, you, kind of wonder whether pretty much anything would be justified. And I'm not encouraging that type of stuff, but it's like, how, how do you react to that? But number three, and I guess the other thing is, you know, parents out there, that this is this lesson. These are, there are seriously disturbed people that are out there that are, for whatever weird reason, you know, looking and preying on on children. And yes, this woman is a, if these allegations are correct, this woman is a predator in every sense of, of the word. And it's one of the reasons why, especially with the social media stuff that's out there, you, you have to, as a parent, Monitor to the extent you possibly can. You know, monitor what's going on. I mean, this 
this woman, this is a 24-year-old teacher who is apparently brazen enough or out of control enough or screwed up enough that she's sending written evidence. I mean, she's communicating on Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, um, you know, with with the kid. Oh, honest to goodness. But, I mean, just obviously very, very troubled lady, no question about it. Now she's in a, a lot of trouble, but 11 years old. I mean, just... Imagine 11, an 11-year-old that's in your life, and imagine if you found out that the child's 24-year-old teacher, and again, male, female, whatever, is expressing interest. I'm in love with the kid. Wow. All right. The war on beer gardens. We discuss in two minutes. 1044, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, and we will continue, of course, all day to keep you updated on the problems the roadways being caused by... These high winds that are supposed to get a little bit better by tonight, but we've got some more issues, I think, going on during the course of the day. Okay, I remember when there was the huge debate about putting a beer garden in Esterbrook Park, which is right down the street from where I am sitting now. And, and there were there were a number of people who said, okay, this, this is going to be awful. We, we don't want the beer garden because it's going to lead to problems with drinking in the park and underage drinking and noise and unruly things. And the Esterbrook Park Beer Garden, if you have not been there, it is, it is amazing. It's, it, 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 it is a magnet for families. It has, in my opinion, revitalized that park where there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. Um, as to concerns about underage drinking and stuff, no. I mean, the, the people who are underage drinking in parks are the kids that go out and they buy a case of cheap beer and they go into the woods, not the people that go to the beer garden where you have to put down a $10 deposit or whatever to get a glass of beer and then, you know, buy the expensive beer. It's It does not attract young underage drinkers. It's been a huge success. And I think in Milwaukee County, They've recognized that it's such a success that now you see there's a couple other permanent beer gardens. They have the traveling beer garden, Sprecher Runs, that goes to various places. It's it's a way of actually, during the summer, encouraging people to go out and actually to use the, the parks. I mean, it's just – and to the people who were the naysayers, you, you look at the Estabrook Park experience, you look at the Milwaukee County experience, and you recognize – this is this is not a problem. This is an asset, which brings me to what's going on out in the People's Republic of Madison. Now, I find this to be a really interesting and somewhat ironic discussion because in Madison, there is a huge problem with the, the homeless population. And there's the, the mayor, who I am frequently critical of, but, but the mayor recognizes that, you know, it, it's a problem to business. If you have people who are sleeping and peeing on the sidewalks, um, people who are having sex on park benches outside the, the city county building, it, that, that, that that is an issue, and it affects business. And whenever they try to crack down on it, you have other people who say, oh, this is just like the war on the homeless, etc. So against that backdrop, there's this huge controversy out in Madison involving a, a beer garden that they want to establish in, is it Albrick Park? Um, it's been, this has been going on for months. Here's the way the Madison paper reports it. After months of debate, the Madison City Council finally approved the controversial Albrecht Park Beer Garden proposal early Wednesday morning. After more than six and a half hours of public comment, debate, and discussion, the council approved a liquor license and a use agreement for a private group 
to run an outdoor drinking establishment near, near the shoreline of Lake Monona. It was controversial. It passed 12 to 7. Strong opposition followed the project as it made its way through city committees, with concerns being raised about safety, noise, and the appropriateness of returning alcohol to a park in which it has been banned without a permit since 2015. Opponents showed up in force at the council's Tuesday meeting, many asking for a complete restriction and a rejection of the plan. People in the neighborhood were saying, well, we don't want folks doing this because they're going to come and there's going to be noise and all these things. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I call this Beer Garden Wars. Maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. But I, I've looked at the Milwaukee experience and the Milwaukee County experience, and I am I am just absolutely convinced that allowing these private operators to come in to the parks and, you know, under the appropriate lease agreement with the appropriate restrictions and things like that, that putting beer gardens in public parks is an absolute and total godsend. It is a huge asset to the community, and it is something that, instead of fighting and objecting to, it is something that we should be encouraging. So 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, beer gardens in public parks, good things, assets to the community, or magnets for for trouble for underage drinking for unruly behavior for noise my experience is the beer gardens come in the families come in the problem is when nobody else is in the parks that's when the troublemakers go i think if you have a public park that has a chance to sign up and find somebody that's going to be operating a beer garden my advice would be go for it, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, ultimately, after six and a half hours of debate, a majority of the Madison Common Council agreed with that. But but aren't these assets to be cherished and encouraged? I mean, you don't hear problems occurring at these controlled beer gardens that we have in the area. John in Greendale. John, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. You know, it, it doesn't surprise me that this is being brought up, but what a what a travesty! Because I live out in Whitnall Park, right? And uh, we're actually going to have, I believe, uh, like a, a full time beer garden this year because it was so successful. With the traveling beer garden so successful the last year or two, sure, yeah. Yep, yep. So they're going to run it from, uh, I believe, the end of April all the way through the summer, right? And uh, when we had that warm spell here a couple weeks ago, I went out and had a beer in the park and. I waited 45 minutes in line for a, for yeah. a glass of beer. Right. But, but but what got me is that you've got families with their little kids. You've got dogs playing, you know, and they're throwing right. frisbees. They have a uh, a, a two-piece uh, accordion and right. drum. Uh, we're not talking about having, you know, Led Zeppelin or some, you know, rap oh. music in the park. And there's nothing but positive people that you never met before. Hey, right. can I sit down and, uh, and talk for a minute? I don't get what the deal is. Well, well right, right. See, the, the, where where you have the noise and the problems and the underage drinking is where you don't have something like that. It's where the kids say, "Okay, we want to go somewhere where nobody's going to see us." So let's get the case of you know Old Milwaukee or Pabst or whatever. Let's go into the woods and do it. Not a place where, like you say, it's a ton of people. <laughs> you're going to have to wait in line for forty five minutes to get a beer that you're going to pay eight dollars for. Or whatever. That's not the problem. This is a great asset. Thanks for the call. I mean, it, I just. I, I remember what Esterbrook Park was. No offense to people that live 
you know, close there. Estabrook Park was a dying Milwaukee County park. This beer garden there has completely and totally revised this. Let's talk yep, to 100%. Ray in Milwaukee. Ray, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hi. What do you think? I think there's no issue at all with any of the uh, beer gardens around the area at all, whether it's the traveling one, the permanent ones like in Estabrook Park. Um, I've been to them several times. I, I love the Sprecher Traveling Beer Garden. Come, it comes to the park close to me, and I take the wife and the kids there and family from out of town, and, and they just absolutely love it. I've never seen any issues at any of them with underage drinking or any people getting too drunk or rowdy or out of control at all. No, it, it's a controlled. No, thanks. It's a controlled sort of thing. Jamie in Washington County. Jamie, good morning. You're at six twenty WTMJ. Good morning, Jamie Ludovic. I'm with Planning and Parks in Washington County. I just thought it was an interesting discussion because we're definitely looking at this idea in our county as it relates to our financial issues that we're having from the state and how do we generate revenue for the park and look at ways to shift uh, parks using more right. park fees and things like that instead of the property tax levy um, in order to fund our operations. Right, and, um, and actually create something that's going to generate people coming to the parks and having fun and bringing the families out and enjoying themselves. Right, but I will tell you, it is definitely a, a philosophy and a political question that we're, we're, we're raising as, is this something that we want to do? Um, there's a lot that goes behind it if, as it relates to the private businesses and the private sector and how they feel about right. having this sort of Having the competition. competition. I, you know, I will t- I'll just tell you something, though, Jamie. And, and if you talk to, I think, a lot of, for example, I'm going to use the Esterbrook Park example. If you talk to a lot of the, the businesses, the bars, the restaurants in the immediate area, they will tell you it's a godsend because it brings people into the area and they don't just stay at the beer garden. Maybe they, you know, go to some of the other places afterwards. So just, just a thought. But thanks for call. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge believer in, I'm a huge believer in this. Um, I have seen this work, and I would encourage people to do it. It's 1057, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Colleen, I know you're a beer garden girl, right? Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I did. <laughs> Who isn't really? Well, I mean, yeah, you, they're, they're fun. You don't necessarily have to drink beer either. Well, right. I mean, well, they're, they're just great community gathering places. I, actually, our text line is kind of being overwhelmed with people, right? The last call we took right before the top of the hour was from a, a lady um, who's with Washington County and said, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at this and beer gardens out there and um, said, the, you know, one of the things we're trying to balance is some of the other area businesses essentially are are kind of resistant because it's like, okay, is this the public parks competing with us? But, see, I don't think that's – see, no, I, I just don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I, 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 um, I, I'm starting to know the downtown West Bend area pretty well. There's this gorgeous park that's there, and I'm thinking, okay, well, if you had a park that had a beer garden, for example, in downtown West Bend, since we were talking Washington County, um, really close to the downtown area, it, you bring peop- you're going to bring more people down into that area, and that's – that's a good thing because, okay, maybe you go to have a beer at the beer garden, but then you're hungry, so you go to one of the area restaurants and stuff. You're, you're bringing people in. It's anything, I think, that brings people into a location as a general is a good idea. I think so, yeah, that, that, that's right, because they're not necessarily serving a lot of food at any of these beer gardens, are right. they? I, I don't think there's anything no, well, available. Well, I mean, right. I mean, they, they but, have, like at the Esterbrook Park, and they have their bratwurst, they have pretzels and stuff like that. But, I mean, again, it's, it's not a... You know, you're not necessarily going to, most people, the way I use it, most people are going to stay all day. You go, you sit there for 45 minutes, you have a beer, and then you're ready to go move, do something mm-hmm. else. 
And I mean, I think most of the businesses, for example, around our area would say that the Esterbrook Park Beer Garden in general has been a net positive because it brings all sorts of people out who otherwise wouldn't be out. And then they stop off at some of the other places on Oakland or Capitol or whatever and get something to eat or have another beer or whatever. Absolutely. I think it would be it's a good draw. It's definitely a good draw for whatever area the beer garden is in. See, I, I knew I was setting you up because I knew you were a beer garden girl. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I just knew Colleen Bowling. You just tell. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I seem to remember seeing some things like that, too. So, OK, but we'll just we'll just let that one go. Um, all right. Let us completely and totally. So I'm I'm. Uh, you know, I'm, let's completely and totally switch gears. We'll move away from beer gardens. Um, there, there's no question that, that Donald Trump has been polarizing. And there's a USA, and USA Today, by the way, is, is not, not necessarily a fan of, of Donald Trump. But they have a new poll that's out today that and I find the numbers to be really, really interesting. Um, when they ask about his, his job approval rating, he is... Um, He's in positive territory. Um, 47% approve of the job he's doing, 44% disapprove. And I understand if you want, there's other polls out there that might have the number slightly reversed, but this is the new USA Today poll taken between Wednesday and Sunday showing 47% approve of the job he's done, 44% disapprove of, of the job. Interestingly, the survey suggests that the biggest enemy that President Trump has is it's himself. Uh, by a two-to-one margin, people disapprove of his temperament. And candidly, I would be in that, that category as well. Um, also, 40%, I mean, six out of 10, complain that he tweets too much. So that that's, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, policy-wise, I think a lot of people like the policies, People disapprove of his temperament overwhelmingly, and 60% of Americans, including 40% of Republicans, think he should stay the you-know-what off of the Twitter account. Here's the other interesting thing that comes up in, in this poll, and it's sort of, um, well, it's, it's interesting um, in many respects. By a 46 to 43% margin, regardless of what people view about Trump, Americans feel better about the state of the nation. They say, 46 to 43, the country is headed in the right direction, not off on the wrong track. Um, this represents a 12-point swing towards the bright side compared with a poll that they did in, in December. So you've now got a majority, or at least a plurality of Americans, saying that they think the country's on the right track. You've got Donald Trump slightly above water when it comes to his personal approval ratings. And I got to believe that 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 job approval rating would be a lot higher were it not for the issues with temperament and also the issue, uh, again, with, for God's sake, you know, stop stop tweeting out at five stuff at five thirty a.m. on Sunday morning. But majority of Americans now, 46, um, 47 to 44, say that they approve of the job he's doing. I thought this would be an interesting start to take your temperature. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you approve or disapprove of the job that President Trump is doing? And then we'll also talk about the question of temperament and the question of tweeting. But 
at least what this poll is suggesting is that regardless of the issues people have with temperament or tweets, people think, and they're starting to think more and more, that he is doing a good job. And, of course, I'm asking the question on the heels of the news this morning that the private sector increased jobs by almost 300,000, way above expectations, and the largest single-month private sector job growth since 2014. So what do you think about the job that Donald Trump is doing? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. It's 1115. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Uh, new survey by USA Today has a Donald Trump with a positive approval rating, 47 to 44%. A majority of Americans saying that they believe the country is on the right track. Americans overwhelmingly have issues with Donald Trump and Twitter thinking he tweets too much, they have issues with his temperament, but nevertheless, they appear to be agreeing with his policy. So I want to take your temperature. 414-799-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Do you approve of the job the president is doing so far? Charlie in Milwaukee. Charlie, you're first. Good morning. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I would just say that I think that Donald Trump, while I think he's personality-wise a challenge to <laughs> a lot of people, I would have to say that he does not owe anybody for the election. Mm-hmm. He is not worried about getting reelected, and he's doing truthfully what he thinks is correct for the United States, and that's why people are backing him. And I, I actually hope he continues to Twitter because mm-hmm. with the biases that we are seeing in the media on both sides, I kind of find his tweeting at least a chance for someone to say, I'm not going to take it and I'm going to fight back if someone's says something i'm gonna i'm gonna let people know about it and it's a chance to have keep us all more informed well i guess see i I have i have less issue with the the idea uh if if we're if he's talking about using the twitter taking to the twitter or, or tweeting as a way of bypassing you know bias in the mainstream media that's okay my bigger issue though is it's 535 in the morning and you're making claims that you've been wiretapped by your predecessor that you can't prove, which end up being a distraction. I guess that's so that that's it's not so much my my beef isn't so much communicating, it's how he chooses to use it from time to time, if you know what I mean. And that might and that might be true, but I gotta tell you, we just have a health care act that everybody's angry about. Right. Which shows it's probably a good thing. The fact that the people on the hard left are against it and people on the hard right are against it means it's truly a compromise, and this is what we need. We need compromise and going forward. We don't need yelling and, and dis- dissociation from government. Thanks, Thanks to call, Charlie. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I I actually think, and I understand this makes some people's heads explode, I think these numbers are probably correct. I think the biggest problem that President Trump has is is one of of style, not one of of substance. Um, let's see. Here on our text line, we have this country was built on non politically um, correct views. People want the country back and are willing to excuse personal flaws in order to get the job done. He represents America. Finally, see, I, I think that that's what a lot of people are saying. This was one of my beefs with the, the whole you know immigration thing. It 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 wasn't necessarily with the content. 
It was the way that the thing was rolled out. It was surprise. It was rolled out by surprise. Nobody thought of some of the obvious questions like, what do you do with green card holders or what do you do with people with visas? But if you say to somebody, hey, look, you know, we've got a handful of countries that are really no more than regimes, and we really don't have any controls in place on who from those countries is coming into our country. So let's put a 90-day hold on this just to get better vetting procedures. If you explain that, I think 55 or 60% of the people are going to say, well, yeah, that makes sense. Now, they didn't explain it that way, and they didn't roll it out in a way that didn't invite legal challenges. But again, I, look, I understand. I didn't fall off the turnip truck. I understand that you've got a lot of hardcore people who are going to dislike anything. But I think you know that silent majority of Americans, they, they're going to say, well, yeah, a couple of these countries that they really they're just they're essentially regimes. Yeah, what what's the problem with saying ninety day hold while we figure out ways to actually know who it is that's coming into this country from that country? That's not an unreasonable thing that's out there. Let's talk to Paul in Illinois. Paul, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Uh, well, I think that you have to use Twitter because uh, you got some negative bias. Mm-hmm that he's got to get communication with the country somehow. I, yeah, well, again, I don't, I, my beef isn't so much, you know, using using Twitter. It's some of the things he chooses to use Twitter for, which I think undermines undermines his agenda, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I think the media needs to grow up. Well, I, there, there's no question. I mean, th- there's no question, Paul, that, that the long knives in the mainstream media are, are out to get Donald Trump. And there's, there is no question that the the press coverage that he gets is overwhelmingly negative and it is overwhelmingly slanted. I mean, there's there's nobody out there trying to cut him any sort of break at all. Having said that, I continue to believe in some respects he is his own worst enemy when it comes to... I know mix, mixing the message. I mean, I'll, and I'll, another the example I just gave was the five thirty in the morning. You, you send out this thing claiming that you know you were wiretapped by Barack Obama without any evidence to support that, and then it, it's a distraction. You're off message for two or three days because that's that's now set the mainstream media off chasing the squirrel, 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 and that's everybody whatever, whatever they're talking about as opposed to some of these these positive you know, sort of things that are, are going on. And you've seen examples of that. His his obsession with, you know, three or four or five million illegal votes cast. I, I would have won the popular vote if it weren't for the illegal votes. Just just get off that. You know, you, you, you won. You won the electoral college thing. And every time you bring that up, it, it again is a distraction. So it, it's not... It's not figuring out ways to communicate with the public going over the head or around the media. I mean, that's been going. Ronald Reagan was a master at doing that, and that was even before social media. It's just maybe a more controlled way of using social media. At 10 o'clock this morning, I am announcing my new immigration policy. Here is what I am doing. These are the highlights. One, two, three, boom. Then, you know, you've been able to define it as apparent as opposed to allowing you know, some lefty reporter from the New York Times to um, to do that. 414-799-1620. But at least, at least short term, short term, the economy seems to be responding. The stock market has gone up. The job numbers are great. You have more and more companies that, whether they're responding to threats or a more positive economic outlook or whatever, they're talking about, you know, 
keeping more jobs or bringing more jobs to the U.S. Samsung is talking about, that's the latest story, it's out. Samsung, what does it say? They're, um, they're talking about um, shifting manufacturing to the U.S. from, from Mexico. Um, it's Samsung that's considering doing that. Let's talk to Steve in Milwaukee. Steve, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Jeff. I just wanted to make a comment about the job numbers you sure. were talking about. Sure. I think that is a good thing. And uh, if President Trump can continue it for another 73 months like President Obama did, then I think we can consider him a good president. I think right now it's a little bit too early to make a judgment on his presidency. Oh, sure. Um, as oh, sure. far as a, as a person, um, Trump is just a, a vulgar <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. No, I mean, I, I, I would see. The man I, is a pig. Really. I, I, I have issues with this. I mean, if, if I were if I were taking this poll, the one where they ask about, you know, do you, you know, do you approve of his, his temperament? You know, I, I'd well, be in the same category. His, no, of course not. more than his temperament. It's his behavior. Yeah. I mean, what did it have? What do people have to see him do to realize that he's just a complete idiot? I mean, make fun of a disabled reporter. Mm-hmm. The comments he made about, you know, a 10th grader that he would be dating her in five years. Mm-hmm. The comments that he made, and I won't say the word. Right. The famous Bush videotape. I mean, oh. he, no, just, I... he just consistently demonstrates that he has no moral compass. Well, I guess, and I, I mean, I guess I, I kind of thought, what I had hoped, actually, Cole, what, I, what I had hoped was, that, that you would see a more president, we would see a more presidential tone, and sometimes we see that, sometimes we, we don't. But I mean, I, I I lump the things you're talking about into temperament. I mean, I, I have issues with like these wild claims, like Ted Cruz's father was involved in the JFK, you know, assassination. But the truth of the matter is, the man is the president of the United States. He's going to be the president of the United States for you know the next four years at least. So, as somebody who wants the country to succeed. I want him to succeed. And if that means overlooking some of the temperament issues, as long as the country is on the right track, well, that's what I think we all end up having to do. And it's not endorsing it. It's not supporting it. It's just saying, let's get people back to work. Let's start again making, I hate the phrase, making America great again, but let's make America great again. It's 1139, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Bucks come home to the BMO Harris-Bradley Center tonight as they host the New York Knicks. Voice of the Bucks, Ted Davis and Dennis Krause have the call. Our Bucks game night coverage starts with Buck Shots at 640 this evening. Um, if you are listening on the Internet, on the stream, we are still up there. My understanding is right now we're, we're off air and we have we have our engineering staff working on it, trying to figure that out. My guess is it probably has something to do with all the other problems that are going on on the roadways, including the wind with the semis blowing over, but we've got people working on that. So hopefully we will be back on the air, but we still have a large number of people who are listening on the stream, and that is absolutely outstanding. We're glad to have you there. Let me give you an update on, actually, Channel 6 had this story, and I think, you know, credit where credit is due. You will remember a number of months ago, there was a huge controversy up in, in Grafton involving a, a music teacher. His name was Bob Morande, and you might remember this. He, he was a very, very successful basketball coach up, up in Grafton. 
and he was also a, a music teacher. And there were most people up there loved him. But I got this impression that there, there were a couple people who just had grown tired of him or whatever. So what ended up happening is, if you will remember the story, he he was accused uh, of losing his quote-unquote cool in the classroom and, and throwing an instrument. Uh, the, the way the story worked out was apparently there were a couple kids in one of the music classes who were fooling around, like playing with kazoos or whatever, and, and he went over and he confronted them and he grabbed the kazoo from one of them, and the story was it, it kind of slipped out of his hands and it went flying. He says, I didn't grab it and throw it. But, okay, the, these kids were, the kids were doping off. That's what the issue, you know, was. And I think, again, in part, my sense was there were people in the administration who were out to get him. What they did is that they, they used that as a basis to fire him. Now, so they fire him. Interestingly, this matter goes before the school board, and the school board reinstates him and dumps the superintendent. Um, so he gets his job back, but I think he ultimately kind of decides, hey, after 40 years, life is too short, which is kind of one of my basic philosophies of things. You know, life is too short, so he decides, okay, I, I'm just I'm going to retire anyways, fine. So he walks away from his job as the uh, Grafton High School boys basketball coach. But he's apparently not done with, with coaching. So what he ends up doing is he ends up, you know, getting a job coaching softball, um, coaching, I'm sorry, girls basketball down down in Cudahy. He says, okay, well, this this is great. You know, I, he's got this great experience. And apparently, you know, down in Cudahy, uh, the team has qualified to go to state. Um, you know, so it's like, okay, fine. You know, we, we've had this, this team and the the team, you know, hasn't necessarily been doing that well. They were always like an underdogs. Um, but now he comes in and takes over the gig and that the team is going to state. So he ends up essentially getting the last laugh at any given time. So it, it ends up well. The losers are unfortunately, you know, the Grafton School District. And like I say, I understand it was the superintendent of schools up in Grafton who decided to sort of make this decision, and this ended up, like I say, costing him his job. But you got to give a lot of credit to Bob Morandi for ending up uh, doing that. In the category of turnabout is fair play and the effect of boycotts versus boycotts, we've talked about this before. You, you have all these efforts that are out there, and it's especially been true after the election. You You have some on the left who have decided that, what we're going to do is we don't like Donald Trump. So we are going to punish anyone associated with Trump and any business associated with Trump. You, you've seen this before. Back at the height of Walker derangement syndrome, you know, what would happen is you will remember that there were these efforts to go out and say, oh, this, this pizza company, the owners of this company, you know, they contributed money to Scott Walker. Here, we're going to show them we're, we're not going to buy the pizzas, and we're going to demand that these pizzas be taken out of stores. Remember stuff like that? And as a general rule, the, the boycotts just completely blew up, and they led to, you know, what I would call the boycotts, the idea that, you know, all right, here's how you're going to respond to this. Go on out and uh, buy the, the products. And typically, there's this huge boomerang effect. You try these organized boycotts, 
they typically do not work. Now, I understand individuals have the right to decide whether they want to shop at a particular store, but I'm talking about these organized things. We're going to show them, you know, we're going to take it out. Well, the, the latest example of that, especially when it comes to President Trump, is, is you've had the efforts that have been directed at his daughter, Ivanka Trump. And you will remember that this story. After, you know, he took office, you had some of the usual suspects that were launching efforts at uh, Neiman Marcus and some Nordstrom's demanding that the clothing line, you know, be the, the clothing line. Stop selling the clothing line at Nordstrom's. How can you possibly support Ivanka Trump? How can you support Donald Trump? Let's hurt Donald Trump. You know, don't sell her purses. Well, okay, I'm not... I'm not really sure that it's going to hurt Donald Trump if all of a sudden Nordstrom stops selling these particular purses. And I do recognize that one of the realities was this might not have been like their hottest seller. So it's kind of easy to be politically correct. And Nordstrom was saying, well, you know, when we're dropping this clothing line, it's not because of this pressure. It's simply because this wasn't one of our best sellers. You will never convince me that the fact that it wasn't one of the best sellers was one that made it easy to affect, you know, drop the line. So anyhow, there's these various boycotts that are out there. Well, here, here's the update on this. Ivanka Trump's women's fashion line, and by the way, I take no position on whether this is high fashion or great fashion or whatever, but Ivanka Trump's high fashion line, fashion line is now, despite all these calls for boycotts, despite the continuing controversies, Despite the pressures on various retailers to stop selling it, the the fashion line is reporting record sales figures. Um, this is what they say. Since the beginning of February, they were some of the best performing weeks in the history of the brand. For several different retailers, Ivanka Trump was a top performer online, and in some categories, it was the band, brand's best performance ever. And this sales surge is coming after, again, the reports that Nordstrom decided in early February that would no longer carry the clothing line. So what's apparently happening is, in response to this grab-your-wallet campaign, which is encouraging people to boycott stuff related to Trump, um, sales are, are increasing. According to e-commerce aggregator, they report that from January to February, Ivanka Trump sales increased 346%. It is almost unprecedented what that type of growth is with regard to that brand. So for some people who are saying boycott, all right, fine, they boycotted them, they got the stuff out of Nordstrom's, but other people responded with their wallets, and what they ended up doing is they ended up buying and um, leading to record sales. So I guess for people who think, here, I'm going to try to organize people to not support politicians and not buy stuff that their kids make. Um, be careful what you wish for because, well, it might be the law of unintended consequences. You don't buy, but more people do. It's 1150, 1140, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1151, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And, yes, this is a, uh, this is a special command performance. Um, we are... On the stream, on the internet, and we're on HDFM too. But if you're listening to us conventionally off the air, we are <clears throat> over the over the air. We are off the air. The projection is should be back on by about noon because I'm hoping maybe some people 
once we went off the air, switched over to the Internet. So we will, uh, they are working on it. So we should be back relatively soon, hopefully hopefully in the next 10 minutes or so. And I suspect, again, it's probably something related to the wind. I, I love this story out of Oklahoma. You know the story is going to come out of Oklahoma. Uh, there, there's a lawmaker who is pushing to allow people to shoot down drones that circle around their property under 400 feet. Now, I have an issue with, with drones, um, and because what, what I think they're an invasion of privacy. All these drones are just dirt cheap nowadays. What they do is they go up, and they all have cameras on them. And I can understand. I mean, you know, if you have two teenage daughters that are sunbathing in your backyard, and all of a sudden you have some drone flying above there, circling around with a camera going, I understand why Dad would be unhappy with that. And so what this Oklahoma lawmaker wants to do is allow people to essentially bring down drones that are flying over your property by any means. Now, and it, now I get the idea behind this, but as I think through this, the, the recovering and lawyer in me says, okay, well, what could possibly go wrong with this? Gee, you've got people throwing rocks, or more likely, taking shotguns and shooting down drones. What could possibly go wrong with this? So I... I got to tell you, even though I am sympathetic to the overall problem, it's probably not the best idea to start declaring open season on drones. Just saying. It is 11.53. We're going to find out what Scafidi and Billstat have on their minds. That's coming up next. Stick around. 11.56, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Uh, let's see. Jeff Levering and Lane Grindle take over the airwaves tomorrow. The Brewers take on the San Diego Padres in Cactus League action. Our Brewers game day coverage starts at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Sponsored by your local Chevy dealers, Eric Bilstadt, Steve Scafidi in the studio. Hello. Holy cow. It is, it is windy out there. I don't well, know what, I don't know what's, what's worse, uh, snow or this kind of wind because there's trucks tipping over. There's yeah. people getting knocked into stuff. Oh, no, I think the wind is worse because that's, you got the, you got, if you live in an area like I do where you got the mature trees, you got tree limbs that come down and, you know, take out power lines and things like that or something that happens that knocks people off the air on, on radio stations. <laughs> right, right. But we're, we're still up on the internet for the Absolutely. time being. So yeah. the you, show goes on, Jeff. The, the, the show, see that he, you know, Bill Stett, he's mm-hmm. only been with us for like a week <laughs> or two. Guy, right? the, the show must yeah. go on, right? But actually, we, we can tell that 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 is the that is the interesting thing now is, is about you know radio because there are so many ways that people listen to us, and there's a ton of people that are listening on the stream, mm-hmm. and we're hearing that, and can catch you later on the podcast. Can catch us later on the podcast, mm-hmm. absolutely. The, yeah. Go to the wtmj.com, the mobile app, and just. Click out, check out the podcast. Okay, obviously weather is a big story. We have been following it all day. And, I mean, the freeways have been a mess, like you were saying, Steve, with the stuff tipping over. What uh, what do you got coming up on the big show? Well, today's a day without women, so we're going to talk about that. What's real? What's not? Is it effective? Uh, you know, what does it prove? Is there something else that uh, women are trying to say? We're going to talk about the museum potentially moving, and then always on Wednesday we do our "There Ought to Be a Law," which is one of our listener favorites. You what know, law do you want to see, Jeff? You've never participated in that. We may have to ask you to. Yeah, at join some point in. in time, I guess at some point, in, sure. I'd have to think about it more. More importantly, I'd like to see us enforce the laws that we have. <laughs> I, 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 I was telling the story. I, I think it was two days ago. I mean, I, I, it was Saturday night. I'm, I'm driving out. I, w- I was going out to see my brother who lives in Pewaukee. I live in the North Shore. I'm going out Silver Spring Drive, and honest to God. 
around 43rd Street, there's two cars, <clears throat> 7 o'clock at night, um, going at least 80 to 85 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming they're stolen cars or whatever. And I'm, where, where's the cop? Where is somebody? At 92nd Street, I stop, and the, 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 this is a different car. There's a red light, big intersection. 92nd Silver Spring, I'm in the right lane, car in the left lane. We're both stopped at the red light. I'm looking over. The guy floors it, goes through the, the red light. I mean, there's pedestrians, there's cars coming. He just kind of looks, and, he, and I'm thinking, where are the police? Enforce the traffic laws. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. you now, think, you're asking for the world now. <laughs> I, I, well, you, you take your life into your own hands. So, okay, I'll think about that. There ought to All be right, a law. Sure. If, I, if I were king, what would I do? <laughs> if you were king, you get to participate, and you get to make that law. See, that's cool. That's what, that's what Steve and Eric do. They offer the ability to be king for a day when it comes to that. So <laughs> yes. stick around. Um, I am out of time. I'm going to go home and try to just kind of brave the wind. So stick around. I'm back 8.30 tomorrow morning when we do it all again. Scafidi and Bill Stett coming up. It's 11.59. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.